Sally. Okay. Hi. Wait. Let's. Let's. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Let's open up. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Hi, Callie. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hey, Michelle. Hey. Yes. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Happy Hi, Thurs- Happy Thursday <laughs> to you. Happy Thursday. Yeah, you too. Uh, how's it going? It's. You know what? It's going really well. It's finally like actual nice weather here. Oh, that's and, good. Um, and oh, it's so great. So that's really nice. Yeah. So yeah, it's going great. And, and Thursday, it's that's the prosperity day. Of oh, it the is Thor's day. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Thor's day. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started making <laughs> friends with a bird that comes to my balcony. <gasps> you did? Yeah. Oh, I it's, love birds. What good. kind is it? A little one. I got to figure out exactly what type <laughs> of bird it is, but it's little mm-hmm. and it has a black beak and it has like brown wings and like kind of a brown design on its chest. And then the rest of it is like tan, and it just sits. Mm, it sits like right next to my door and just chirps. And then I go out and I go, "Hi, hello." Yeah, oh, I love that. That's that gives me the chills. That's very oh, special. You're so sweet. Well, I know that you like to make <laughs> friends with your squirrels, so and my birds, yeah, and yeah, the birds, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, on to today's <laughs> terrible topic. Uh, I know. We'll just start out with a little friendly animal befriending before we get into talking about the Oklahoma City bombing, which is like, like timeline wise with what we've been talking about, it actually is closest to Waco. So we talked about Waco like a bunch of episodes mm-hmm. ago. And then we've been you've been doing this Bush series which kind of is like provides really good context mm-hmm. and like sets the background way more in depth, I think. Like mm-hmm. maybe Waco is like, you know, the surface and then the bushes are like where it gets like really really deep and and mysterious. Um, so the Oklahoma City bombing is happens like two years to the day after Waco. It happens on April 19th, 1995 at 9.02 in the morning. <clears throat> the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City is bombed. Uh, the official story is that Timothy McVeigh was the lone bomber using a, like, basically a U-Haul filled with explosives. But, uh, you know, the official story definitely does not line up with a lot of, like, witness testimonies and first-person accounts. Uh, Like, there's just a lot of uh, conflicting and contradicting information out there to the federal report. Uh, because the government is always up to something. Toot, toot. Uh, yeah, toot, toot. So today it's basically <laughs> like, like we were calling this like conjecture show because it's a lot of theories. Like this, you know, like with Waco, we had just like way more information. The uh, ATF recorded everything at Waco. Yeah. And there was, yeah. like, a really long grand jury trial, and it was, like... Right. Oh, and, and really the main thing is, like, 
when Waco happened, it was actually burned down by a government agency. And this building explosion supposedly happens not from the government. It's like a rogue right. terrorist, even though... A lone nut? A lone nut, a lone Callie, nut. was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a story, even though, like, we'll talk about why th- that's just, like, kind of... Like, you'd ha- like, to believe that story, you have to, like, really just be like, oh, I believe the story because the government doesn't lie about stuff. But then it's just like, okay, literally the government lies about everything. So when you think about it in that context, it's like the connections that Timothy McVeigh come to, has to the government just, like, raise a lot of questions about, like, why this went down. And yeah, you know, and also from Hollywood, we get this really skewed idea of what of of the diabolical of how diabolical a single person can be. We get a yeah. really skewed perspective on that. So when we hear this lone nut theory, we're like, I saw Mission Impossible, or like whatever it is. You know what I mean? They're like, Yeah, I saw right. that movie. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like people are really ready to believe. Also, it's, like, an easier story. Like, that's the simple story. That you are just watching one person do a bad thing, and, like, he's going to get the death penalty, and then he gets lethally injected, and then it's over, and the bad thing is over, and everybody, like, everybody that did something wrong that day was punished. Uh, Yes. It's, like, hmm. It's... It's so much less scary to think, well, this one monster showed up and you can't keep monsters from coming into the world, but the system isn't made of monsters. In the system, people are doing the best that they can. That's a very comforting thought. Yeah. Too bad when you actually try to do the right thing within the system, you get super murdered. You sure do, you don't you? You get super murdered by super the government. Super murdered. Uh, like two shots in the back of the head, suicide, like Gary Webb. Gary uh, Webb tried to do something about drug dealing, CIA drug dealing, and he committed suicide by shooting himself in the back of the head twice. Wow, he must have been really flexible. He was very flexible. I I can only hope that someday I will have that level of dexterity. I know, I know. Um, Okay, so here's a little backstory about Timothy McVeigh, which is, I mean, he is definitely, like, that name, I've known that name my whole life. Like, I guess He's my birthday twin. Oh, birthday twin. Wait, so he's a Taurus. (laughs) Yeah, he's a Taurus. Mm. Oh, right. Nato's going to do the birth chart of him for our YouTube. Yes. Okay, that's going to be sick. Yes. Um, I know, I know. So I guess I was seven, six years old when this happened. And I, like, remember it, you know? And it was, Mm -hmm. like, really scary. And that name is, like, like, he's very notorious. Like, I definitely, everybody knows Timothy McVeigh. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, like, domestic terrorist, whatever. So when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, he was only 26 years old. Um, so young. Young man. He was a U.S. Army veteran, question mark. Uh, he definitely was in the, in the Army, but whether or not he was still active in the Army is disputed. But he was a veteran of the Gulf War. Um, okay. He tried out for... The sto- this story goes... This is, like, Timothy McVeigh's own story and stories of his, like, uh, 
<clears throat> what do you call people that you're in army with? His army, I don't know, army friends. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he tried out for the special forces, and after a few days, he came back to camp like a changed man. And the story is that he was rejected. Uh, but he wrote a letter, like the story is that he was rejected and he was sad. And that's why he was acting weird when he came back to camp. But he wrote a letter to his sister telling her that he was actually selected out of the special forces to participate in covert. This is a quote from the letter participate Mm -hmm. in covert operations to help run drugs to fund these operations and to assassinate Mm. security risks. Okay, that's very believable for the time period, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. whether or not, like, I'm like, wow, I guess you're not really good at being covert if you're, like, writing this in a letter to your sister, but I feel like when you think about, like, if that is something that was happening and then, like, the timeline is like okay he tries out for special forces then he gets like recruited for this actually like really intense thing and then he like returns back to camp acting all weird and like sketched out like that is also something that i could see happening like sure he maybe was sad because he like didn't make the special forces or he was acting weird because he found out he was gonna have to do this like really weird job yeah he did right he found out what that entailed (laughs) Right, right. And I mean, of course, there's the other thing of, like, he didn't get accepted in the Special Forces, so he made up some really crazy story to tell his sister. Like, well, and then I'm going to be the superhero of the world. Like, yeah. that's that's possible, yeah. too. You but know, either way, him coming back acting really like a different person is a big deal. Yes, that is, like, definitely, like, a changing point moment. And, yeah, we'll put it all, we'll put it all out there. People can figure out yeah. what they think about it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so McVeigh thought he was going undercover to investigate white supremacist groups in the U.S. and, like, set them up. Uh, through okay. this, he, like, I don't know, he was saying that he was, like, doing this work for the Army. And at one point, he, like, revealed that he had a superior who was Larry Potts who was the assistant director of the FBI and the lead agent on the Ruby Ridge siege. Um, which, uh, and the, and this Larry Potts guy also played a role in the siege at Waco, which is just like these two events, Ruby Ridge and Waco happened in like close succession and both involved like kind of cultural separatists, uh, wanting to have a lot of guns, but like uh-huh. the Ruby Ridge people were definitely like, white separatists and then the branch of Indians at Waco were just like Christians. They weren't white supremacists. Right. right. So the weird at all. You no, know, they 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 were not. Yeah, they weren't at all. Uh and which I just like to make a distinction because it sucks that they get lumped in with them because I feel like it's just really reductive. Um, and I think like a third of them at the people, the branch of Indians were people of color. Am I wrong? Am I, did no, I you're not that wrong? wrong. You're not wrong. It was okay. definitely like, I mean, it was majority white, but it was not all white by any means. Um, right. I mean, there was like 80 of them there. So <laughs> right. It was. Yeah. But um, I think there was, I think there was a higher percentage of like the ratio of black to white or people of color to white people at Waco was higher than the general society, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, we're just making that distinction because yeah. it's important. I feel like it's important to remember mm-hmm. that like not everybody that wants the right to bear arms or whatever like is a white supremacist Republican. Like, no, we are not. I know, no, we're not. There's like plenty <laughs> of people like who just want to be able to have guns for whatever reason, and it has nothing to yep. do with white supremacy. In fact. A lot of people, it has to do with the exact opposite. So, yep, you betcha. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, back to Timothy. The um, the sus one of, another sus thing is, you know, he's saying at this point, like at this point after the Gulf War, he is like officially quote unquote not in the army anymore, but his death certificate lists his occupation as U.S. Army. And not, like, veteran. So it implies that he was, like, an active army person. Right. Which we covered with, like, in another Bush episode with somebody else. They call it sheep dipping. Where you, they make it look like you've left the CIA or the military. They make it look that way when really you haven't. And you're on the payroll the entire time. And they, it's called sheep dipping. Which, I honestly, I think that that term, this is me theorizing, but I think that term actually means, like, you're like a wolf, like, dipped in sheep's clothing. I don't know. That's the only thing I can come up with as to why they call it sheep dipping. (laughs) I can see that. But they just come up with, like, I feel like also it could just be, like, literally like a word jumble. Like, you pull two words out of a hat. Sheep. Dip. Dip. Now this is what we're calling this thing because totally like nothing is allowed to like make sense because we're just trying to confuse everybody. That's true. That's totally true. Um, okay, so roll camera. It's 1995. Here's the political. <laughs> here's the political scene. Our boy Bill, Bill Clinton, is the president. Yeah. God, what a fuck! All these people. All these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's president. Uh, apparently, like I don't remember this, but like <laughs> when I was reading it online, apparently his campaign like had a big gun control platform. So right. that right. is like a thing they want to do: gun control, gun control. Which, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it makes no sense. Um, but like that, you know, they're they're banking on this fear of like, you know, like Reagan started this whole like crime, 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 crime. Right. And then the 80s, that's, like, perpetuating. And then by the time Clinton's in office, it's, like, everybody's, like, oh, my God, crime. There's so much crime. And he's, like, I'm going to ban guns because that's how you stop crime. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, I mean, you know, the whole issue between, like, whether or not it's the people who should be controlled are the arms dealers they're always going to say, no, it's the people. We want to make sure arms dealers get make as much money as possible, but we want to also use that to control and condemn the population. So, like, take your regulation where it belongs. That's what I have to say about that. Yes, you're not wrong. Uh, in fact, you are right, is really the way I, <laughs> I should <am>. say that. <laughs> um, so Janet Reno is the attorney general... So she is like the stupid loser who. <laughs> she's such a loser. She's like got this whole like save the children, like I'm saving the children thing, which is like just fear mongering. It's basically like satanic panic vibes. It's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like all these mm-hmm. things that you're saying you're like going to save the children is basically like uh, 
a curtain over your true intention of just like demonizing any counterculture at all. Like yeah. the very condensed version of what I feel like Save the Children is, you know. I mean, the last time I saved some children, I didn't set a bus with 26 of them on fire. But hey, you know, you do you, Janet, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, fuck her. <laughs> right? Um, that's Waco, by the way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Very, it's, it is horrible. It's like, you're not actually saving anybody. Like, you clearly don't care about saving children. You murdered all these kids at Waco. Like, they yeah. knew all these mm-hmm. children were there at Waco. But I guess their official story is that they burned themselves down, which is so yep. such a fucking lie. It's infuriating. You can tell it's a lie from the crime scene, honestly. You can tell it's a lie from the crime scene. And, you know, mm-hmm. in our episode, we do that in great detail. So if you haven't listened to it, yes. don't fuck Go it back up. And listen. Don't fuck it up. Um, and this this bombing is two years to the day after Waco, so I think it's like Ooh. the spiel. Can I talk about that day? Yes. Yeah. So April nineteenth. This is what gets conspiracy theorists like really going on this one. Is uh, April nineteenth is an occult holiday. It's a satanic holiday. It starts. This it goes from uh, April nineteenth is the first day of this thirteen days right till May first. Um, and it's this ritual, it's this, it's, uh, they worship the fire gods, like Baal, Molech, um, there's a couple of other ones, and it's a time for sacrifices, for, like, human sacrifices, in particular children, so for, ooh, it does yeah. give me a chill, I have to admit that, but the deep conspiracy theorists, you know, when they look at Waco, and they're like, 26 kids died on that day. And then you've got all these kids that are going to die on this day. You know, they're like, look, that's the day to do it. That's when you do your child sacrifices. So, you know, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying when you hear people talk like that, there's something underlining why they're saying what they're saying, whether or not you believe that, right? They didn't just pull it out of their butt. Like, this has been a, this is an old ancient, like, yes. you know, ritual, occult ritual, at least. <laughs> Um, I just think it's interesting, and the other one is um, also the um, um, uh, uh, Boston Marathon bombing happened on April 19th, which I then asked myself, I was like, well, does the Boston Marathon happen on April 19th all the time? So I went in to look, and the very first Boston Marathon was on April 19th in 1897, and the reason for that is it was a commemoration of the beginning of the American War in 1775, which started on April 19th. So it's it's like you do have all so there's all this death from that war that started that day. Then the the Boston Marathon is started in 1897 to commemorate that, and it's actually held on April 19th every single year until 1969. Which I think at that point, just the way society had modernized, like everybody, you needed to be able to plan ahead, you know, longer than just, right? So, like, you, so they started doing it on the third Monday of every month, and in 2013, it happened to fall on um, April 19th. And so then that would be, this is just, like, kind of three more recent things where you get people saying, like, "Mm mm-hmm, there's that human sacrifice. Anyway, throwing that in. Yeah, I mean, throw it out there, like... Mm-hmm. You know, we know that the Bushes are involved in Bohemian Grove, yeah. which is like, we do. you know, for all intents and purposes, like Bohemian Grove is entirely like symbolic, but they do these really intense rituals there that like, you know, Alex Jones, who I 
fucking hate and think should die. Mm-hmm. Like, he did break into Bohemian Grove and film it. The way he got in he was did. he told people there that he was with the Bush family. And they just believed him because he's this, like, tall white man from Texas. I, it is so crazy that he did that. He literally was just like, I'm with the Bushes. Yep. And they're like, come on in, sir. Right. Fucking wild. <laughs> and he filmed. It is. I'm. He filmed yeah. the ritual, and they they burn, like, I mean, you can literally find this footage on YouTube. I'm not bullshitting mm-hmm. you. They have this giant statue of Moloch, the owl, and they are burning, <laughs> like, they burn an effigy of it, and there's, like, what looks like a child on <laughs> on the platform of, of the owl, and I'm just, like... You know, there's the cremation of care. That's what it's called, right? Yes, that is what it's called. Yes. Oh my god, Ugh. so crazy. Yeah, and it's- just the fact that they do that, even if it's symbolic. Like most American people, do not think that their politicians are going doing that. Yeah, and especially the like the ones that are actually doing this are like the white male Christian Republicans, like. You know, all this, like, baby mm-hmm. killer stuff is usually, like, really, like, an anti-Semitic thing. It's, like, an anti-Semitic lie where they try to, like, where people try to say that, like, Jewish people are killing babies and, and all these, like, horrible things. And it's literally, like, right. if that's happening, like, I mean, kids are dying. Kids died at Waco. And the people that did it yes. was, like, the white Christian government. So it's definitely not mm-hmm. Jewish people. It is, like, these Christian people who are in power. With tax paid for weapons, they went and killed those kids. Yeah, even though the gov- yeah. the same government that doesn't want you to have guns. Like, yes, Exactly. <laughs> So mm-hmm. stupid. So annoying. It's evil. It's I hate that evil. I say stuff like that too, and it, it like sounds like low key right wing, and I'm just like I'm literally an anarchist. But this right. is just the truth, you know. Mm-hmm. What is that saying? A broken clock's right twice a day. Yeah. You know, fuck it. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, amen. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, bombing is two years after Waco. Again, it's, like, another weird attempt to, like, to try and lump Waco in with these, like, white supremacists. So, like, they put McVeigh as, like, this white supremacist terrorist who's, like, avenging for Waco and, like, punishing the government for what they did at Waco. So it's, like, literally the Waco people, the branch of Indians, were not white supremacists. Um, mm-hmm. The Ruby Ridge people were white separatists, but they weren't white white supremacists trying to, like, bomb the government. They were literally just like, I want to live in the woods by myself with all my fellow whiteies, which is just like, okay, fuck you. You obviously suck. But they're not out here, like, bombing buildings, you know? (laughs) No, and I mean, like, also, like, good. That's a good place for you to go. Yeah, get out of here, then. Just get the just, fuck yeah, out Yeah, that's there. great. Just go keep to yourself, you fucking honky. Yeah, yeah. stay out. Stay yeah. the fuck away. Great um, idea. So the, the, the real commonality was just, like, they distrusted the government and they wanted to have guns. That's the only thing that, like, really links these two. 
or these three mm-hmm. people, like McVeigh, the mm-hmm. Ruby Ridge thing, and the Waco people. It's literally just like they don't trust the government. Well, theoretically, McVeigh doesn't trust the government, and they all want guns. Right. So, um, also at this time in the 90s, the government is like kind of, really, you know, the 80s, uh, you know, all of America through the 80s and through today was very anti-black. I think at like the end of the 80s into the 90s, strangely coinciding with when the Bushes start to do like these dealings with the Middle East, then you start mm-hmm. getting all this like anti-Muslim, anti-Middle Eastern propaganda, Islamophobia coming out into the forefront culturally. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. Yeah. So that is the political scene of... That's a political backdrop, basically, of, of the Oklahoma City bombing. Clinton, Reno, okay. Waco, anti-Muslim agenda. Okay. Um, so, again, the official narrative is that Timothy McVeigh rented a rider truck by himself in Junction, Junction, Junction City, Kansas, on April 17th, two days before the bombing. And then him and Terry Nichols, who is this army buddy of his, like, build the bomb together on April 18th. And then April 19th okay. is when the bombing happened. Okay, so now I'm just going to get sco- start going through all the ridiculous, weird stuff of the day of the bombing. Okay. okay. Number one. Timothy McVeigh's targets are supposed to be the ATF office in the Murrah building. That's like the ATF and the DEA offices of Oklahoma City. Like, I'll get into that later, but I don't understand why he chose Oklahoma City. But mm, ATF right. agents and DEA agents, they have offices in the Murrah building. They're the supposed targets. Okay. Well, there weren't any ATF agents in the building. Apparently, they had all gotten tipped off to not be in the office that day. Mm. What? <laughs> Weird thing one. <laughs> Weird thing, too, um, McVeigh was not actually clocked as the bomber until, like, a day and a half after it happened, but he was apprehended and put in jail 90 minutes after the bombing because he was driving, like, a ridiculous getaway car, like a cartoon. Like, basically just like, please pull me over. Because it was like a broken down car with no license plates. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Also, like, when do you have, like, a white dude in Oklahoma that just, like, has an unregistered car being held in a jail for over 24 hours until conveniently he's there when, you know, he's a suspect and then they can just be like, oh, my God, guess what? We already had him. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. Wow. So the Oklahoma City office of the ATF, again, located in the Murrah building, supposed target, zero ATF agents were killed or seriously wounded. Um, The husband, there's a lot of like accounts from family members of people who died. So one was the husband of somebody who died in the explosion and they went he went and talked to somebody at the building who told him that the ATF was tipped off on their pagers not to come in that morning that, okay that starts to mirror things that happened at 9/11 just to do some foreshadowing but yeah go ahead 
Ah, ah, ah. I know, right? Well, you know, prior knowledge does become a big, a big, big thing that, you know, even if, like, even if you don't believe that, like, Timothy McVeigh was doing this for working, like, by working for the government, you know, like, via mm-hmm. the government, the, like, prior knowledge thing is where, like, all the people in Oklahoma are, like, like, you know, oh. Oklahoma City citizens have definitely been like, what the fuck happened? You guys definitely knew something was happening. Why didn't you tell the daycare? Because, like, 16 or something my children God. died because there was a fucking daycare in the building. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, anyways, like... So, the people of Oklahoma City have been, always thought this was really off, and they've yes, been fighting for this yes. and looking for answers all along. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, right. The husband of somebody that died in the explosion went and talked to somebody, found that they got tipped off on their pagers. Okay, so the ATF mm. story. This is so funny. And also just like, oh, my God, you guys are so stupid. So <laughs> the ATF story is that, like, two of their agents were in the building that day and not only were they in the building that day they were heroes they were extremely heroic they were like superheroes saving the day yeah um the first agent is luke franey so this is the first person who was supposedly in the building at the time of the bombing luke franey survived the explosion and then crawled out of his office onto a beam and then made his way through the building by punching through walls with his martial arts skills. Uh, This is their story. What? He's like, no, I was there. And then I was like, hey-ya. And then I was like, cha-cha. And then I was like, and then I broke through the building. And then I'm outside. So then he's like, and then he like supposedly injured his hand. But then it's like, guys, this is so dumb because there's literally footage of this agent outside of the building, like shaking hands with people and like clearly not injured. Like doing like a, you know, like a sturdy handshake. Just like, man. He didn't break his karate chop hands. Yeah. You, my man. Ninja hands. My man says he punched through multiple walls and then it's just like. I'm fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. He was not. He was not the only superhero that day. There was another really? agent that claimed he was in an elevator at the time of the bombing, and the elevator free fell for five floors. And then, after surviving a five-story fall, he broke out and rescued several people. Oh my God. Okay, Bruce Willis. Whatever. I know, and like it's not like any of those people. Like it's not like anybody came forward and was like, "Yeah, he rescued me." So uh, uh, this is just like this is an agency of fools. Like this, they are so dumb, and they are they're like so immature. They're so immature, and they are like, you know, they couldn't do sh- like <laughs> you can see the footage from Waco. It's like these people are not competent, and now they're trying to say that they're like super action star heroes. Oh my god. It's a lot. Um, so, also, 
the fire department like confirmed that there were that no elevators experienced any free falling because none of the safety mechanisms on the elevators were tripped. Okay, all right. So the official story is Timothy McVeigh came there alone, but tons of eyewitnesses say they saw him there with another person. But the government decided not to pursue any accomplices that might have been there that day. Like, Terry Nichols, who was sentenced to, like, maybe life in prison or something, he was sentenced because he helped build the bomb. But nobody else was ever arrested for, like, actually being there with McVeigh, even though there's, like, tons of accounts of people being, like, literally I saw him with somebody... It's amazing how many times law enforcement doesn't do that. Like, in watching, like, some of just, you know, these basic, your basic, like, true crime murder stories or whatever, that actually happens a lot where people are like, well, you know, there was this other person. The cops are like, no, we're interested in this one person. We don't want to hear about these other people. Yeah, I mean, it's like... how often they do that. They just want to have their story, and they want to gather the evidence that fits their story, and then they want to be done... It's stupid. Cops are dumb. The law enforcement... Yeah. Like, however... Whoever decided how to do that had a bad fucking idea. And everything about it is bad. And it doesn't work. And it's awful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you'd have to have people who are operating in good faith. And most... I mean, you know, 99.9% of the time, cops are not operating in good faith. They're like, I want, I have, we have a narrative and let's just like what you said, we have a narrative and we need to fulfill that narrative. And the more quickly we do that, the better we feel. And we we have lots of, yeah. And then we can go home. There's pressure on us from the public and the DA and all of this stuff, but we're also coming into like our jobs with a lot of, you know, bias. Everybody has bias. Like I get that, but also you are really talking about a culture that we see now has a bias that was not your average bias. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. It's not your average mm-hmm. bias. It's not your average bias. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so here's some more conflicting evidence and stuff. So there is an account of somebody seeing the rider truck, like the U-Haul, with Timothy McVeigh as early as April 11th. So, you know, that doesn't really change much about what happens, except it just definitely shows that the government just, like, didn't actually look into things or write things down correctly or actually talk to people or care about looking into it Mm -hmm. or, like, care about finding out the actual storyline of, like, what happened. Um, There's, like, a ton of conflicting evidence in terms of, like, you know, if the if the car bomb exploded in the front of the building, but the biggest crater was a pit in the back of the building, like, uh, okay. How would a car bomb (laughs) explode a giant pit in the other side of the building? Like, are you kidding me? Um, again, there's like a ton of accounts of a second person being at the truck, which just is showing that the government like is not using all the info. If it doesn't fit their narrative, And, you know, like we were saying, it's just like a bunch of unfollowed up on leads and questions that were never investigated. 
And people that wanted to investigate it really weren't able to. Like, the grand jury for this case uh, was authorized to see surveillance footage from the Murrah building, but they weren't actually allowed to see the footage. Like, they were authorized, but they were not permitted. So there's literally footage from the outside of the building on that day, and nobody was able to watch it outside of the government. I, you know what? I love this, too, because, like, then that fact that they were authorized is what gets, which is what's going to go down in the history, right? Like, if anybody goes back to look at the archives and it's like, well, they were authorized to watch the footage, you know? And I feel like things like that happen consistently. Like, you get the runaround on paperwork and this and that yes. and this and that. And so that when you look back, it's like, well, everything seems to be in order, but then there was this other way in which you were, like, waylaid from what you needed to do or what you needed to look at. Or there were missing pieces. And none of that it winds up being in the official archives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so in Oklahoma, you know, these Midwestern states who are, like, basically wanted to secede, <laughs> uh, they mm-hmm. had a law where they could make a county grand jury basically like to investigate the FBI. So they did that and they had to get like a bunch of signatures. They got like, you know, over 10,000 signatures from people in the county to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. Which maybe isn't like a big percentage, but it's still a lot of people. Um, Yeah. And then for some reason it was like turned over to the Oklahoma County DA and then it got like completely fucked up. It like didn't wind up really happening. And like people who had started the grand jury, like were suspicious that their phones had been tapped and just like felt like they were really spied on and, and it didn't get to go through. It's like, they turned it over to the cops, they turned it over Uh to the local police and then it's like, okay, you had your fun. Thanks for coming by. And now it's over. Wow. Um, so it's and, just... You know, those are just normal people on a grand jury, too. So for just normal people who, like, go in to do things like this, they're not in the frame of... They're not... I mean, like, your everyday average person, especially in 19, you know, 95, or whenever this trial was happening, um, was... Uh, they were not even as much as today conspiratorially minded that everybody nice. was going to be watching them. So... They go there. So for these people, regular people during this time period to be like, I think my phone was tapped because we also have to keep in mind, they probably, most of them probably didn't have cell phones. If they, anything, they had pagers no, and they had landlines, right? Yeah. Maybe a car phone, but like, so like, like phone tapping for regular people to say like, I think the government's spying on me. That was a really odd, very, very fringe point of view at the time. Not like it is now. Yeah. Wanted to throw that in. For real. No, that's a really good point. Like, I'm sure a lot of people's lives were, like, really changed and their politics were really changed Mm -hmm. by witnessing this firsthand. And it's not something you're going to know if you're not literally there. Being able to be like, oh, no, well, my sister's cousin friend, like, worked there and, like, actually saw this and this and this. Like, when you're, like, Uh you know, I was in Syracuse, so it's, like, everybody around me was just watching, like, the national news that's reporting you know, what the cops are saying, because so many news outlets literally just read exactly what the police put out as fact mm-hmm. and news. So right. that that's the news that was like decimated to the rest of the country or disseminated to the rest of the country. And, you know, 
but people that were there mm-hmm. know, know it's not the truth. Um, and then, like, further evidence of just, like, crazy suppression is that, um, you know, basically the, the Oklahoma, like, what they were trying to do the grand jury on was the FBI having prior knowledge. Um, so there was, like, a huge, like, prior knowledge was really the thing. Like, their issue wasn't, like, oh, Timothy McVeigh worked for the government, we think. It was really, like, obviously y'all knew what the fuck? So 2020 actually put together an hour-long story about prior knowledge as it relates to this case, and mm. the feds prevented it from airing. Oh, because 2020 is too credible. They'll let Alex Jones talk about this shit, but not 2020. Literally. Yeah. Oh my god. Seriously, because it's like if you're only hearing these things from right wing nut jobs on their Mm -hmm. horrible radio shows, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're not gonna believe Mm -hmm. it. But it's like I don't know. Sometimes what Alex Jones says is true. As much as it pains me to say that. I know. And he is an awful, horrible person who sensationalizes things for agendas that are terrible, like at the end of the day, like yeah. facts are facts, and like that—that's it. Like, a, like if you have a different political compass, like you're gonna use those facts for whatever your end How, goal right. is. But it's like facts are facts, and like well, what people saw there is real, you know? Yeah, and you just you just espouse the opinion uh, Jeremy Scahill has holds of Alex Jones. Like he said something like, "Yeah, that man's a lunatic. Whatever good he's done, I mean, he's a lunatic." And I'm like, "That's it, exactly. I agree with you, Mr. Scahill." So just yeah. to throw that out there, like you're not you're definitely anyone who's like looking behind the scenes at like what's actually happening. You know, is gonna is gonna say the same thing. They're gonna be like, "Well, Alex Jones didn't get everything wrong just because he's like a puppet or whatever." Now. Um, yeah. But he was on the radio back in the day, in case people forget. Like, Alex Jones has actually been around for a long time. For a long since, like, um, time. Yeah. He was on the radio, and then he had, I think, a cable access show in um, yeah, Texas that started in the yeah. late 90s. Yeah. So, like, when I say, like, they'll let Alex Jones talk about it, he was literally talking about it at the time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, he was talking about it at the time. And, you know, throwing out a lot of wild stuff in context of that. I mean. Yeah, of course. God, I'm not going to go. He's a disinfo agent. And so part of his job is to tell the truth and then throw all this other shit at it. Like, that's his job. That's how they, that's like, that's how disinfo agents work. So that everything you're saying is not, no longer credible. So if Alex Jones ever said it and anybody repeats it, it's not credible anymore. That's the point I guess the way of the that, Like I feel about him is like, well, obviously he's a right wing nut job. I think probably yes. he start like his early stuff that he was. Why do I know so much about Alex Jones? I was really fucking bored <laughs> in quarantine. Honestly, long story short, uh-huh. <laughs> but like his early stuff is just like, well, first of all, his movies are hilarious. They're so bad and awkward. It's like very validating <laughs> to watch. Cause I'm just like, wow. How does anybody believe, like, how does anybody look up to this guy? These movies are so awkward Mm -hmm. and, like, bad. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, like, I I basically just feel like he ramped up his stuff because he realized 
like propaganda gets him more attention, basically. And like, Absolutely. he probably had, you know, he, he wasn't at the beginning of his career, he wasn't like saying such ridiculous, untrue, the frogs mm-hmm. are turning us gay mm-hmm. or whatever, like the mm-hmm. tap water's turning the frogs gay kind of stuff. Like, right. he was just like, this veteran is getting his land taken by the government and we're going to report on it and we're going to help him get his yep. house. And it's just like, all right, dude, like, okay. And now it's like, obviously something completely different, but yeah. I digress. He was talking about this at the time Indeed. though. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. And his story, yes. his very much like, this is my story story is that Timothy McVeigh was working for the government. But he was, like, way, way, way more deep into it and not being like, oh, well, it could have been this. Oh, well, it could have been this. He was just like, Timothy McVeigh is a catalyst for the government. <laughs> they always turn on you. They get you to come in the government. And blah, blah, blah. So. I got such a good impression. You're ah, so good at that. Thank you. Even back in the, like, yeah, he was espousing some, I don't know. It's more just like he doesn't present any opposing viewpoints or like give any space for people to make their own ideas. He's like operating on mm-hmm. fear only, like trying to get people mm-hmm. to be afraid. So they believe him and they have to listen to him in order to like, feel like they're, it's the same thing with QAnon dude. Okay. I'm getting so off topic, but like, it's, <laughs> it's the our same. conjecture show. This is conjecture show <laughs> and we're going off, but it, it is the same thing as QAnon. It's like, you think you have insider knowledge. You have to listen to this one person so that you have the knowledge that mm. you're safe you want to keep other people mm-hmm. safe, so you're trying to spread the knowledge. And anybody who isn't, who doesn't believe you, is working for the other side. Uh huh. So, right. Okay. Yeah, it's very culty. Yeah. What a dumb cult. Okay. Um. Back yeah. to the Oklahoma City bombing, though. Um. So we already are listing all these discrepancies. Let's list a bunch more. Uh, okay. So there's a lot of discrepancies in terms of explosives like the original report the original official story was that the rider truck had 1200 pounds of ammonium nitrate fertilizer i don't really know anything i honestly don't know anything about bombs right. but basically it's Me like either. the first story is that they had 1200 pounds of whatever the second story is that they had 4800 pounds then the third story is that Ooh. it has 7000 pounds so basically it's like these completely inconsistent hypotheses which is just like that okay I didn't really include any information on this, but I'll just say what I read from memory, which is just like, you know, in, in Northern Ireland, they know a lot about domestic terrorism and bombings. It, they do. It's, it's not true. a thing to not be able to know what the what was in the bomb. Like, you can figure it out. So for them well, to have all... Especially if you're the ATF. I'm sorry. That's hello? their job. It's your fucking job, dude. You better do it. That's literally their job, yeah. So it's like, the fact that they weren't able to do that is not That's ridiculous. true. Yeah, it's just like, you do know what it is. Why are you being like this? So, basically, there's no way that this car bomb could have caused the damage in the building. Long story short. Uh, right. <laughs> now, here is where we get, like, weird... Uh, 9-11 vibes. Um, okay. There's doubt whether the blast from the car would have been strong enough to take out the concrete and steel mm. beams in the building, mm. which is very, like, it's giving very, like, jet fuel camp melt steel beams vibes, you know, which 
Right. We'll get. I, you know, to be honest, I've like never dove into 9/11 conspiracy theories, but uh, I got a lot of context for it now for when we get there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's its whole own genre of like. The, I mean, because there's so many now, it's literally yeah. like a cultural genre, you know. Which I actually, you know, like whatever. But it's interesting. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So it's just like. This is a like similar to both World Trade Center bombings. It's just like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is not consistent. Like what you guys are saying happened isn't consistent with the actual damage cause. It doesn't make literal scientific right. sense that this damage could have happened. It's just like math. You know, it's not I, mm-hmm. it, to me. It's like, how can that be up for debate? It's just it's like science, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. Right. Yeah. So um, the people who like were working on like bomb squads and like Oklahoma City cops even like on interviews say that they don't believe it could happen from one bomb in the way that the mm-hmm. explosion happened and the way that the building was damaged. Like we're just like, you know, if a bomb causes like a path of explosion how can, like, some things in that path not be damaged, but then, like, behind... Things behind that spot on the supposed path would have damage. It's just, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it literally doesn't right. make sense. I mean, it makes sense when you think of, like, another uh, scenario, which there was a report done by a general, but I'm just like, I don't know if this general was like in the army at the time or not in the army, but there was a report done where it concluded that like the major factor in the destruction would have been caused by four different bombs placed at critical junctures mm-hmm. on supporting columns in the building. What? Which is like very 9 11, because oh, I'm pretty sure that's like 9/11. a 9 11 theory too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Where it's like it wasn't yeah, the I mean, planes, I feel like, like the bombs. Like it right. was. I mean, obviously it was the planes, but like it's obvious. Like it's also bombs placed at like critical junctures on the building. Yes. yes, I mean that seems to be. I mean, yeah, we'll get into that, you know, too. But the '93 bombing of the World Trade Center, I have. It always seems to me like. I mean, you know, they kind of were like, well, hey, maybe this will do it. Maybe this will really take those towers down, you know. But I think in their minds, they kind of knew that it wouldn't. They just wanted to see how the bombs would work and how much destruction could they do it with a truck bomb and then yeah. i think the um the answer was no and then i feel like perhaps then you go to oklahoma and you're like well what if we rig bombs on the beams and then you see what happens and then ooh, i get chills and then yeah. and then they're like all right now we're ready yep huh? yeah Okay, so remember earlier when we were saying how anybody that, like, has good intentions is murdered? Yes. Well, now we're getting to the story of the person who was murdered in this, uh, in context with this. So there was a police officer, Officer Yeeky, Y-E-A-K-E-Y, in case anybody wants to look it up. It's a sad story. I know people are, like, super into true crime, so this could be more like a true crime thing. I personally am not, but Mm -hmm. this is the story. Mm -hmm. So this officer was, uh, you know, he was an Oklahoma City police officer. He was, like, 
early 30s, you know, like, you know, young, spry, hadn't seen any explosions caused by the government yet, you know, optimistic, mm-hmm. thinks things are good. <laughs> so he's one of the first responders to the bombing because he was, like, giving somebody a traffic ticket a few blocks away, heard the explosions, was like, okay, guess what? You don't get a ticket. Vroom, vroom. Rushed over. Shit. He actually saved a bunch of people's lives. Like, he, <laughs> unlike the ATF wow. superheroes who were karate chopping their way to, to lies... <laughs> He actually yeah. saved, I know, he actually saved multiple people's lives. So wow. that's cool. I think that mm-hmm. is cool, you know, to, like, mm-hmm. go into a collapsing building and, like, save people's lives. Like, thanks, dude. That's cool. Like, fuck the police, but that is cool that you did that. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, yeah. I, I've definitely said, like, because people are always, always make that argument, like, Oh, you know, not all police are bad. Like some people, you, know, you you don't think that anybody can enter into the police force with good intentions. I'm like, no, people definitely can enter into the police force with good intentions. Mm-hmm. They do all the time, and they either yeah. get fired or killed. So like, yeah, good or they cops, quit. right? Yeah, good cops are not cops anymore because they're either yep. fired, killed, or yeah, they quit. So he was like, you know, he was first responder. He was right there on the scene. He like saw a bunch of stuff. He was like, because what he saw in the official report, like did not match up to what he saw as a first responder. So he was like compiling research and I'm sure he wasn't being quiet about it because like, this is the first time you're probably seeing something that makes you like question the government and like, police forces and like oh are they lying blah 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 so he's like compiling research at his house and then he like rented a storage space and then the day he was murdered he was supposed to get dinner with a friend he Mm -hmm. told his friend like I will be there as soon as I drop this stuff off at my storage space and shake these FBI agents that have been tailing me Uh And then he never goes to dinner and he gets murdered. And, like, he's found the next day, like, in a ditch. Like, so fucked up. He has handcuff wounds and was stabbed 13 times. But his death certificate lists us as suicide. These monsters. And, like, these cops, like, told his family that he was... He killed himself. And, like, it's really sad. Like, they interview, like, his family and stuff, and they're basically just like, we thought that, you know, when officers died or whatever, that, like, the police would, like, really show up for us and, like, be there to be supporting of us. But, you know, even if, like, even if, like, somebody dies and you're like, like on your like one of your neighbors has like a friend that dies or something it's like you would probably like bring them a casserole or whatever like not a casserole to be found from the Oklahoma City Police Department to the family of this guy and you know they felt really like they felt really abandoned like his family felt really abandoned and that's like really fucking Uh, shitty um well and the wounds on his body and then for them to say it's a suicide that's such a smirking disrespect I mean they're all you can see just in that that they're like we can do whatever we want we want to remind you we can do whatever we want we're saying that your person 
stabbed themselves 13 times because we can do whatever we want. It's yeah. it's terrible. It's, it's a awful. spit in the face to that family. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, fuck the police. Um, and this, this, he was a black man. Is that right? He was black. So it's definitely got like other layers of fucked up inness of, mm-hmm. you know, like just treating people that way treating anybody that way right. especially treating black people this way it's just like disgusting mm-hmm. it's disgusting black behavior. families this yeah. way it's like mm-hmm. it's just fucked up mm-hmm. um okay so my like biggest question that i had that i didn't get an answer to was like why the murrah building like if this is a mm. retaliation for waco which is in texas and McVeigh is mm-hmm. from outside Buffalo. And, you know, the government headquarters are in D.C. There are big cities. Like, why would McVeigh choose the ATF office in Oklahoma City? Like, I didn't find an answer to that. And, like, maybe there's an answer and I didn't come across it. And I'm going to sound really uninformed on this podcast. I hope not. But I, I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't like... Okay. I mean, I'm just going to Google this. Right? Waco evidence at it, Murrah building. It no. should have been... I mean, that should have been obvious from the beginning. I mean, it, it, Timothy McVeigh should have really stated why he chose um, that building to the attack of the ATF when ATF has buildings all over the place. Yeah, I mean, and like, he did why not. That specific he did building? Not. And he did not. No, he said That's his attack was wild. for the ATF. And it's just like, well, why this building? Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Because he didn't live in Oklahoma City at the time, did he? No, he was from outside Buffalo, New York. So, like, right. really, really close to Canada. So, so he just threw a dart? At, at a at a at the United was like oh I'll take that ATF building I mean is that I what have the, no <laughs> idea like I literally have no right. idea um okay. but you know there's like two things that were stored in that building that could have something to do with it especially if you are maybe believing that this is like he was like a puppet of the government is that evidence of the Whitewater investigation, which is a Mm -hmm. Clinton scandal, and if you want to talk more about that, feel free, but let me just, like, summarize real quick that it's, like, evidence from that scandal was in the building, and then evidence on an investigation into Clinton's drug running for Bush Sr. through Arkansas was also stored in that building. (sighs) Oh. Whoa. Okay, that's all really, that's fascinating because, you know, with the Whitewater situation, the Whitewater land development scandal, that's like, you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton got involved with Jim and Susan McDougal, uh, who to do this, um, to do this land development in Arkansas. And what the charge really, what, what it was, was, and what wound up happening, of course, Bill and Hillary get off on this. And then, I mean, probably literally get off and also didn't (laughs) didn't we're not charged but um so but what i mean but jim mcdougall winds up doing time he was he's a politician on and off susan mcdougall she wound up she did 18 months in prison because she would not answer questions about bill clinton which i actually find really interesting 
because I'm just like, ooh, it makes my, it gives me like a crazy feeling in my chest. But I, you know, it's just one of those things where if you're like sitting there and you're like, I can do 18 months in prison or I can face like the Clinton Bush vehicles, like consequences. Yeah. Hmm. You well, know, you're like, do I, I think I'll say I, nothing. Like, what do I get if I spent 18 months in jail to help these people yeah, that out? Too. You know. That's you. But turn it against them. You are much better. You have much better chances of surviving prison than you do the Clinton Bush vehicle. Just saying. Yeah. If it ever comes down to that, to pick wisely, people. Um, so, but but it's like what Whitewater really boils down to is at least and at least officially is that Jim McDougal actually had um, embezzled money from a gov- the government agency a government agency that he worked for and then had tried to cover that with funds from the oh. SNL. So Whitewater is actually the SNL scandal, the savings and loan scandal. Oh. So that's yeah, they that's actually what don't happened. Don't say that when you're looking it up. Like where did oh, you find yeah. that? Like I read the whole I Wikipedia mean, about it and I tried to read some articles about it, but I really was just like this just seems like some weird real estate, like, loan situation. Well, I didn't know it was, like, embezzling government money. Well, they kind of, in the Wikipedia article, they gloss over it a little bit. Because they're like, because he was taking it from, you know, this this thing. And it was, he was, oh. gonna, he was taking it from the savings and loans. And then he was going to replace it once, you know, you know his, his development paid off or whatever. So they gloss oh. over it a little bit so that you don't realize a little, that these two scandals are actually the same scam. Yep. So um, I did not pick right. up on that. <laughs> Right. I was like, oh, there you are. You know, I probably read it a couple of times. And I was like, oh, I see. Wow. What you're doing Hidden here. in plain Good sight. Times. Can't hide from Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, it, it is definitely hidden in that Wikipedia. You kind of have to have a little nose for what's happening here already to pick up on yeah. it. Yeah. So. So, and then, like, too, this all, you know, this all, the whole thing with Whitewater and the savings and loan scandal, it all comes back around in the Kenneth Starr report about Monica Lewinsky. And that's actually where all of your conspiracy theories, which is after Oklahoma. Yes, it uh, is after. It's the same year, I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. Well, it's, you know, that the Starr report comes out, like, later after all of this has happened and for some, and he brings all the white water savings and loan okay. scandal up which is where you start to get all the conspiracy theorists start coming in on it and they start really questioning why Vince Foster killed himself but I honestly uh, don't not I don't suicide. think that it is another suicide oh, but Jesus. I think there's I think there's a pretty good chance I mean I would have to really snoop around some more but I think that there's a really good chance that Vince Foster maybe actually did kill himself. Yeah. Um, he did feel guilty about some things that he had done involving this embezzlement and all of those scandals. And I could look around into this more. I mean, you know, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily like to dive yeah. into the deepest conspiracy waters first, this, right? So, Michelle, like, I don't think mm-hmm. these people feel that guilty. <laughs> That's actually a good point. You may be right like, about that. You so maybe think Jeffrey come back Epstein would feel guilty? I do not think that guy killed himself. I don't think so. Yeah, right. No, you're right. You're right. You're you're literally a monster. How do you not feel guilty? Like Harvey Weinstein doesn't feel guilty. None of these people, none of these fucking people feel guilty. Harvey Weinstein's the victim, Callie. He's a victim of of woke 
culture. Oh my yeah. God, thank you, you for the telling woke mob me. Got oh, my, oh, it was yeah. a woke mob. Oh, my God, of course. Mm-hmm. Classic woke mob. <laughs> the classic woke mob. So, anyway, that's Whitewater. But I think it's much more interesting, um, the Iran-Contra. Uh, it, it, you know, the, the Iran-Contra covering. Uh, that's huge. Yes. And, like, that's actually part of, you know, like I mentioned kind of offhandedly, I mentioned Gary Webb earlier. I mean, drug dealing, the CIA drug dealing stuff, there's lots of, of dead reporters as far as, like, that oh, is concerned, no. right? I hate dead reporters. I just, I don't like it's, that. It's horrifying, but it's one of the main things that they want to cover up is, is yeah. CIA drug dealing and government drug dealing because that's how they pay for the proxy wars. And I yes. go on and on about why they the the need to cover up their drug dealing is so important and so like if there were files in that building that connected the clintons to the iran contras that was really a problem that yeah that's a really big problem i cannot find any answer to my question of why did he choose this building unless i am believing unless I am choosing to believe the path that like this was something orchestrated by the government because the only reason that makes sense to me was that they wanted to destroy this evidence and cover it up with blaming it on like a Waco thing and all these other things right because other than that it's like I cannot find an answer to why it would be this specific building right but then it's like these two very like Oh, okay. Like destroying evidence, you know, which they love to do. Yes. Like they love to do that, you know. <sighs> yeah, they do love to do. Well, you know what? If anybody listening knows why, you know, follow Secret Antenna on Twitter and DM us. Like, yeah. you know, let us know why it's that ATF building and we'll cover it in a Yeah, we'll do, like, a bonus, like, okay, fact-checking, sorry I said that, but, like... Yep. (laughs) I couldn't find anything, and I was looking, Yeah, and, I mean... No, it's a great question. (laughs) I'm not, like, a. I don't remember anybody ever asking that question before, though. Like, I've never heard anybody ask that question before, personally. So, like, to me, that's an astute question, and it it should have an answer. Usually bombers know why they're bombing a certain thing. Yes. (laughs) Like, once you get to, like, the World Trade Centers, like, you can... It's a way Mm -hmm. more believable, like, okay, they bombed that because it's, like, this... The tallest building in the city, and it's, like, a... Representing capitalism or whatever, right? I mean, you know, it's technically a military target. So, like, that's when they, you know, took that down. You're like, well, sure. I mean, if you were in any other country, you would clearly see the World Trade Center as a legitimate like, target yeah. of war yeah. and the Pentagon. Yeah. So, like, that's you're just you're like, oh yeah, you would hit those things. Yeah, like sure, but you this, know? I'm still right. just like, this? there are mm-hmm. ATF offices everywhere. <laughs> There's bigger ones, probably, than bigger that one. Bigger ones. Ones that are more directly connected with that. Like, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. plenty of ATF, ATF offices in Texas. Like, there's ATF offices right. in Buffalo. Like, they are right. around. So, like, why are you going to Oklahoma City, man? Like, make it yeah. make sense. And then the only way to me <laughs> that it makes sense is knowing that this evidence was in that building. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really does all start to come together with that. Yeah. 
And I mean, I guess it's like, well, how do you know that evidence is in that building? Well, I don't know how to answer that except for that was in what I read. But yeah, okay. So good maybe point. that's a lie. Hey, again, maybe it's a lie and it wasn't there. But then follow Secret Antenna on Twitter and DM us. Yeah, we'll make a we'll make it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so other weird shit. Okay, in reference to theories that McVeigh had assistance from others. He responded with a well-known line from the film A Few Good Men, saying, You can't handle the truth. And then he goes on to say, Because the truth is, I blew up the Murrah building, and isn't it kind of scary that one man could wreak this kind of hell? And it's just like, You're blowing my mind, Timmy, because when you say you can't handle the truth... I feel like you're talking about your secret government things. And then when you follow right. up with this weird sentence, like, yeah, it would be kind of scary if one man could do that. I know one man didn't do this. Like, right. even if I'm not believing the government pipeline thing for him, like the dude mm-hmm. that rented the truck out literally was like, he was with someone else. He was with another person. Right. So it was like, it was never one person. And it would be really, really scary if that was the truth. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm, well, I'm seeing the not... breadcrumbs from what he's saying. Yeah. No, I get you. Cause it sounds like really ridiculous and rehearsed and like, like very like, I don't know, like, the opening to, like, a bad pulp novel, honestly. And, you know, and two, it's also, it's steering us in a direction to tell us how to feel about it. Because he's like, isn't it scary that one man can do this? And my answer to that is not as scary as the fact that the government is doing this all the time. But thanks for stopping by. You know, thanks for leading us, telling us which direction to take. Which one of these things is scarier, that one man can do this or that the government orchestrates things like this? Yeah. You know, like, I take the latter is way scarier yes. to me. And McVeigh said, like, you know, because he had, there's, like, a lot of stuff you can read of, like, stuff that he said. And he was literally like, I learned this tactic from being in the war. I learned this from being mm-hmm. in the Gulf War. You literally showed me that if a government is doing something wrong you attack them and it doesn't matter who they're who they're blowing up but it's like our government feels that way like i have no doubt that the government was would attack itself domestically to do whatever because oh yeah internationally they're attacking hospitals with children and and killing people all the time with no regard like it's not there's no focus to their destruction it's just chaos and within the executive branch, which is, you know, holds within it the CIA, as we've talked about before, there are, the allegiance of the executive branch is not with America. Their allegiance is with Saudi Arabia, True. Israel. Like, we know for sure. Yeah. Like, do they have, are, is their allegiance with something else? I mean, these people, these people are running a game that what we see on the face of it, we are shut out of their game. We don't really know what they're doing. I can tell you, but we know from looking into this that the United States government, especially the executive branch, is absolutely 100% beholden to the Saudi royals. If they don't do what the Saudi royals want, we don't get gasoline. Yes! So you know what? Just like, like, you know, shut it down right there. Anything else, you know, any other questions you may have, I'd like to refer you to item A. Yeah, okay? and, and like that's so it, much you know? of this 
dealing is like making sure that the people involved in the deal don't go to jail. Like Bill Clinton can't yep. go to jail. The Bushes can't no. go to jail. They can't get caught no. doing anything. Like they are key players Ever. in this deal yep. of oil, mm-hmm. which goes right. along with like their grand plan of basically just like amassing wealth and power. Right. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a generational, you know, planned out path started by, you know, Poppy's dad or maybe even older and like a many generation plan that is like, you know, they are going to do stuff to protect the plan. I mean, that's obviously like my belief. Like I am definitely believing like there is a generational plan from the bushes Mm -hmm. to like amass power and wealth. I believe that. And like it, yeah. real. I a also believe, dynasty. yeah, global dynasty. And I also believe that the that they would do anything to maintain their power, including like mm-hmm. killing a bunch of kids and blaming it on this twenty-something veteran, you know, quote unquote veteran. Absolutely. You know what? I want to add in one personal thing here. In 1995, I was doing my undergraduate work, and we didn't have laptops back then. We had desktops. And when you would click on, you'd hit my hard drive and turn on my hard drive when my computer powered up, you would hear Jack Nicholson say, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Are you serious? Yeah. So like at the time, at the time, that was a movie line that like everybody said. I even had it. It was my startup in my desktop. Oh my God, that's so (laughs) funny. So like, sure, like a really common thing to say weird in yeah. context with like what he's saying. I don't know. It That's was. Just, like, so weird. And what he said afterwards was weird, but it is just to contextualize the fact that he used that line from a movie. You kind of heard that everywhere. You know, yeah. you'd be like in the CVS and like drunk people would be like, you want this shampoo? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> you want shampoo? You, know. you can't handle shampoo. <laughs> shampoo. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> but all in the big context and him and also as we've discussed before like pop culture elements can also be part of like if he is if his if the government is behind this those kinds of phrases and books and images and things like that can be triggers for a a variety of things um that they may be like implanting in terms of like conditioning the mind or whatever i'm not going to go so far as to say brainwashing right now but conditioning the mind leading the mind setting the mind up is something i think they do i mean that's i've just described going into the military so yeah yep Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so just got a couple more weird things to talk about. Okay. Um, this is more just like a anecdote that I thought was interesting is McVeigh instructed his lawyers to use a necessity defense, which would basically, which is basically just like McVeigh saying that he was in imminent danger from the government and it was like a self-defense thing. And McVeigh Whoa. argued that imminent did not necessarily mean immediate, uh, and that mm-hmm. and they would have argued that his bombing of the Murrah building was a justifiable response to what McVeigh believed were the crimes of the U.S. government at Waco. I mean, they didn't wind up doing this. Honestly, his trial was so fast. I think they said it was like six weeks versus like the O.J. Uh-huh. Simpson's trial, which was like. Let me look it up. Oh yeah. How long was the? Well, that did that just end right before this? The O.J. Simpson trial was eight months long. And, oh, I don't remember. Uh, I'm just using it. As, okay. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was it was a recent big trial. 
And that right. that trial lasted eight months, and this trial lasted six weeks. That's wild, huh? They just don't wow. fucking care. This is literally terrorism. And it is literally terrorism. And they're making the trial like a month and a half. It takes us a month wow. and a half to research an episode. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. So then, and they destroyed the the rest of the building pretty quickly, right? Because only part did. of the building came they down. They did destroy the rest of the building really, really quickly. I don't have the exact timeline for that, but it, you're right. That is a point to bring up. Like within they, weeks, it I is think. within weeks. It's definitely within weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's not that's absolutely that's, true. That's unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, and then it you think about like the fucking hard drive. 2020. Yeah. 2019 or whatever, the Hard Rock co- Hotel collapses in New Orleans. Oh, and right. it takes like an entire fucking year to, to blow up the building. And it's just like an empty structure with like literal dead bodies in it. Literal for dead bodies over in it. a year, right. not being dealt with, just mm-hmm. sitting there. And then they can they can take care of this in, in you know, a matter of weeks. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, that's a good comparison. That's an excellent comparison. You're absolutely right. Miserable So there's comparison. no reason not a miserable comparison. <laughs> but so, so it just saying like there's literally no reason to, to take out, to demolish a building. I mean, because they can oh. say, well, it's upsetting for the community. Yeah. But it's like Hard Rock is upsetting for the community. They don't give a fuck about that. So let's not pretend like the government gives a shit if your community is traumatized by terrorism. Please stop. 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 Literally. Yeah. Literally. Um, Okay. So then uh, more fuckery (laughs) of the government. Um, So Timothy McVeigh was scheduled to be executed. He said that he would rather die than um, be in jail. So six days prior to his scheduled execution, the FBI turned over thousands of documents of evidence it had previously withheld to McVeigh's attorneys. As a result, U.S. Attorney General John Ashcroft, oh, I guess it changed, uh, announced McVeigh's execution would, would be delayed for a month. So it's like you literally think you're about to die in six days, and then the government's mm. like, and you want to die, and then the government's like, hee 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 right. hee now you got to wait another right. month. Of course. Yeah. Which is just fucked been up. trying to save his life, they would have killed him that day. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's so, control is so crazy like that. It has no meaning at the end of the day. Yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of weird stuff that all in context is just like, wow, I, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. then the last thing that I really have to talk about. Um, which I think is more of, like, just planting a seed of, like, a person that, like, appears through a lot of these stories in a weird way mm. is this guy, Dr. Jollyon West. Oh, Dr. Jolly. So we talked about him in, like, our first, you know, QTV, which was, like, the prereq to Secret Antenna, basically, like, our first one. We talked about MK Ultra, and I learned about Dr. Jolly. Well, actually, it was even before that. It was, like, before we ever started doing any of this, when we just, like, were having these phone calls talking about the Unabomber and just being like, oh, my God, and this, and oh, my God, and that. And then we were like, oh, we should talk about this more. So it was, like, yeah. through talking about the Unabomber right. and, like, MK Ultra, like, you kind of introduced me to this Dr. Jolly and West, who was, like, 
he worked at what it was like USC. Yes. Well, he worked all over the place. So his full name is uh, Louis Jollyon West, and people called him Jolly. And he is most known for being the right hand man of Dr. Ewan Cameron, who was the architect of the, you know, confirmed and utterly torturous MK Ultra program. Um, so there's plenty out there for people who want to look that up. We have an episode about it. We'll probably talk about it more in the future. It's not a conspiracy. The government was running torturous mind control yeah, programs, and that is confirmed. a thing that they did. Yes. MKUltra is confirmed. And so he was, J- Lewis Jolly and West, Dr. Jolly, people called him, um, was, uh, was the right, was central figure in, in MKUltra, right? So even after MKUltra comes out, why doesn't this man like lose his work life? But he doesn't. So anyway, he, he's a, who he is, is he's a, he's an American psychologist, psychiatrist. And he, this is interesting because this is really his like cover for everything. You know, you're like, why is he always there? You know, he's like Henry Kissinger or something. You're like, wait, why is he always there? Um, So, but, but his cover for that is his specialty is he deals with people who have been taken to the limits of human experience. So, uh, you know, which if you stand back from it, you don't need a lot of psychiatrists who specialize in that. You know, you don't need as many psychiatrists who specialize in that as you do people who specialize in like borderline and depression, right? This is like taken to the limits of human experience is supposed to be something that only happens to a very small percentage of us. So the fact that then you're like, there he is again. He's around. There he is. We can find him with Manson and Kaczynski and Patty Hearst mm-hmm. and, you know, to, uh, Sirhan Sirhan. You know, like you can find him everywhere, sometimes before, sometimes after. Um, but the, the cover for that is, I mean, sometimes both. The cover for that for him is really like, well, that's my job. I'm actually the only person in the world who really does this, you know. So anyway, that's who he was. Interestingly, and I don't think this actually means a lot, but he started his work at the University of Oklahoma. But he, I know. And at first I was like, mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, no, because he's literally, like, he, he's everywhere all the time because of what he studies. So, like, he's been at UCLA. He's been at Los Angeles. He's been at Cornell. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he's been at all of the, he's been at many, many colleges as a teacher, as, um, as an experimenter, these, a variety of things, Harvard. Um, but he was behind the scenes at that, at that stuff with, um, Kaczynski at, with the, the torturous experiments Harvard did on the Unabomber before his bombings, Jolly was behind the scenes, but we can't say that he was mind controlling, uh, Ted Kaczynski. Jolly was behind the scenes at the, at the meth clinic lab hippie thing in Haight-Ashbury, uh, where Manson brought all the girls to like get psychologically tested and get like free methamphetamines. He was behind there. We can't really say he was mind controlling Charles Manson though, right? You'll never ever be able to actually tie Dr. Jolly to these, like to setting these people up for these crimes. However, he is constantly there and he is someone who we know was involved in torturous mind control experiments. That was really his life's work. So when you see him on the other side of these things and he's like, let me evaluate this guy first. I can't help to say because you want to debrief your, your Patsy, 
or because you know you want to see how your handiwork went down like what that's why you want to be the first person in there i don't know so the sirhan sirhan oh jack ruby he was part of you know he was behind the scenes with jack ruby who shot uh lee harvey oswald oh yeah you know who and, looked at the camera and, and said i'm know. a patsy oh yeah like sirhan sirhan was the jfk assassinator oh yes just uh he was uh robert kennedy oh robert, shot kennedy. robert kennedy sorry right yeah, so, but both of the Kennedy, you know, all the Kennedy shooters, we can yeah. find um, Jolly behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, the Sirhan Sirhan thing's really interesting because another psychiatrist had interviewed Sirhan Sirhan right after the shooting of Lee Harvey Oswald, and that psychiatrist came out. He was, you know, I mean, as a psychiatrist, you'd be very, you know, excited to, like, discover this, but he came out and he said, I know this sounds crazy. But I think he's hypnotized. And and then and people were like, well, what are you saying? Like, this is some kind of government thing? He's like, no, I think maybe he accidentally hypnotized himself. I mean, this psychiatrist at the time, like, wasn't thinking along the lines that we think today with right. all these conspiracies. He was just a doctor who's like, holy shit, you all, I think we may have our first Manchurian candidate. And then, of course, everybody's like, that guy's crazy. He's a kook. He's a quack. You know, all these things. So he was written off. And who comes in? Dr. Jolly, you know, who's like, nope, this, right? He's like, let me clean this up. Let me handle this for you. Which might actually be why, after Sirhan Sirhan, Dr. Jolly was like, make sure I'm the first one in there. Right? Because we had Bradley discovered that, you know, I'm speculating, but Bradley discovered that I had hypnotized Sirhan Sirhan. So let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, no, tr- yeah, conjecture episode 100%. Yeah. But I mean, you know, hey, I'll tell you what, it fits. But when you start to really look at these stories, it fits. It does. And there's just kind of like an interesting line that, co- that comes through with the Dr. Jolly and McVeigh, and it's this mm-hmm. Dr. Jolly con- consults McVeigh's defense team. There's a guy, Dr. Mm-hmm. John Smith, which sounds like a fake name but whatever uh he was the protege mm-hmm. of dr jolly he went on to be mcveigh's doctor in prison and now it's mm-hmm. reported that dr john smith protege of dr jolly is one of the head doctors at guantanamo bay <gasps> ew okay so guantanamo bay in my for uh you and i have discussed this quite a bit is believed to be a continuation of the mk ultra program that Mm. is yeah uh, uh, yeah that's a pretty common belief i think and i'm excited to and afraid to get more into like you know because we're we're getting to this point where we're um gonna be talking about like 9-11 and then the iraq Mm -hmm. war and then guantanamo i mean it's just naturally coming like this is right. like, this is coming next. It, it is. I didn't expect us to like even go in this direction, but there's like literally it's just such like a path. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. we're just following the path, and this is literally the path. Yes. So this is where it's heading. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just wild to me to have that kind of like direct connection from like you know this to to Guantanamo Bay. I agree. That's wild. I'd never heard that before. That's cr- that for me. It seals the deal on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> that connects the dots for me, yeah. kids. <laughs> and then, like, you know, which we'll get into more if we, like, which we definitely need to, like, redo our MK Ultra episode. Like, maybe we should just do yeah, that next because we already did it and it's, like, so interesting. Oh, maybe so. But, like, okay. I remember you saying that there was, like, certain personality types that um, 
were sought after to try these like mind control things. And right. psychiatrists concluded that Timothy McVeigh had depression, narcissistic personality disorder, and schizotypal personality disorders. Uh, ooh, that gave me a Which chill. are common. Schizotypal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. conjecture show, like, now we're just kind of ending right. with some, some seeds of just some stuff to think about. Where we're heading. Know? Yeah. We're going to be doing 9-11, more MKUltra, following this path. Um, yeah, it's just seeds to think about. I mean, like, there's so many things that we'll never know the answer to. And, but I, I don't think that that means that we can really close the book on them. So yeah. these are open stories that need to be discussed, continue to be discussed. Because as we see, you know, our contemporary moments unfolding, uh, do we see connections back to what I would consider open cases or open wounds, you know, which are cases we can't close because the government literally won't give um, you know, the people, the information they need to like close these cases. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think that we can just say, Oh, well, we'll never know. And then just stop talking about it. That's a, that's a dream come true for these mind controller people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and also you and I are going to be creating a space where we do more conjecture shows, yeah. wild bear ass conspiracy throwing against the, we'll say anything in that space. Yeah, but one thing just, <laughs> I feel like we don't like, cause you know, I feel like both of us want to be like, not, I feel like, you know, as like just who we are, not, we're not cis men. We're anarchists. We're like fringe Mm -hmm. members of society. Like we're definitely used to like not being believed (laughs) about like our opinions or like things that we say. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think both of us are like very cautious about like what we say on the show in terms of like making sure it's something that is like fact check provable, uh, yeah. documented, yada, yada, yada. But both of us are also like occultists and very right. spiritually inclined and have like a lot of mm-hmm. other thoughts about a lot of other things that we might not talk about in this space mm-hmm. just just to keep this space like a you cannot come for me, I have receipts space. So, right. so now, yeah, we like, I hope like by maybe the, the, the fall, I think is our goal that we'll like mm-hmm. have it's a, our goal. have a separate space where like, it'll be like, I think our plan is to do like a Patreon, which even though like paywalls, like, yeah, we don't love paywalls, but also it's like, even if it's like a dollar a month, like just having to, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like a more intentional, uh, interaction, you know, at least like I'm used yeah. to having all these people on Instagram interacting with them. And it's like the least intentional thing on all time of all time. Like mm. once you go into mm-hmm. a space where people have to like actively choose to be there, I think as a yes. creator, it, it becomes like a safer space for expression because I'm just like, you're actually here cause you want to be here. You're not here to like watch me fail. You're here because you like right. want to learn more and explore that. So I- I'm excited for us to have, me too. That space, and and hopefully we can do like some live shows where we can like video chat yep. with people who who listen to us, oh, and it would be so cool. Yeah. So it'd be so cool, and yeah, be able to talk about more magic, more cults as it deals with um, politics and history. I mean, that's a fascinating topic. 
And then also to just, like I said, you know, like be wild bear-assed about it, where you can just kind of throw some stuff out there and we'll know that people are not there looking to twist what we're saying, but are actually there to have fun with us. And so yeah. we are going to create, I'm so excited to create that space. So yeah, Me so too. September, I think is our goal yeah. for that. So soon. Awesome. So soon. And then also probably even sooner, we'll do another youtube episode with nato doing like a chart reading yep. for timothy mcveigh <laughs> which yes we're gonna do readings are just funny to me and i, and I, know, I they're really great. really she's like having a great it. time with it i i, I love know. it she's having a great time with it it really just like so adds, yeah it makes me feel like i have a deeper understanding of these people and then we can just throw wild things mm-hmm. out and it's really fun yeah it's super fun. So we'll be, yeah, we, she's, uh, she, uh, Nato is, uh, working up Timothy McVeigh's chart as we speak. Wow. Um, and then also working on, I don't even think we've mentioned this. This is, you know, also on our plate, Walt Disney. So she's been working <gasps> on Walt quite oh my a bit. God, sick. Okay. Right. Yeah. I need to, yeah. We have so many more episodes <laughs> planned that aren't even we on do. the direct path. Like I, I'm really excited. So <laughs> Uh, yes me too so wow thank you for all of that information Kelly I am like you have so much information yeah this was this was fun to do and you've been doing so much of the Mm -hmm. research so I I feel good about maybe taking a little off your plate and still being able to have secret antenna episodes (laughs) yes I love it well fantastic all right well until next time next time bye Bye.